Milvor sounds just like Paladin. <sighs> yeah, I'm sure we'll get this sorted out eventually. Or Matt will become highly angered and we won't hear from him again. I heard something. Maybe he had a big bowl of chili for lunch. I was in the mall earlier today, and I also not smelled hot cereal. Uh-huh. And I don't know how to describe it other than it smelled like hot cereal. Like if you had like hot milk poured over Rice Krispies or something. That doesn't sound fun. It smelled kind of good, but... I guess you just describe it badly. Yeah, well, I mean... I do most things badly. Yeah. I don't know why I let you talk me into doing another that one episode of Star Trek. But we're doing it. You owe us, motherfucker. No, I don't. you hate us as much as you hate ourselves and our listeners. After a hundred episodes of this shit before, you all owe me. Well, except Matt, because he hadn't had anything to do with that before. But yeah, I don't... He's, yeah, I he's fine. <laughs> he's fine. He's giving me toys. I, I forgive him. But yeah, that, That's all it takes, really. I mean, we're easily bribable here. I mean, you know, up to a point. Did he clean off the toys before he sent them to you? Oh, no, I haven't got them yet. No, no, I did not. So, so they're still <laughs> sticky. Okay, just wondering. <laughs> well, they'll fit right in then. <laughs> Literally or frigate near wine? Don't care. Don't care. It It's related to where the sock goes. Again, are we talking like croc or red hot chili peppers? For those of you just tuning in, these are all in-jokes we've been missing as we've been talking to each other every week and not posting it. Yeah, we got a lot to go through, so the first 45 minutes is just going to be in-jokes no one's going to get but us. The thing is, though, like, yes, there's been there's the, the talking off of podcasts because there hasn't been a podcast in over a year, but all the in-jokes I'm referencing uh, were established five minutes ago. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, these are, these new... <laughs> no, 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 I gotta say the XP, that's the truth. It's like, it's in-jokes from the last 20 minutes. We're pretty good. Or terrible, depending on your point of view. I'm I'm favoring terrible, actually. We're, yeah, we're well, pretty we're Generation terrible. X. We only speak in meme. Unfortunately, though, I think only you and me are Generation X. Oh, God, you're right. We're surrounded by millennials. No, I squeezed in there. That's what oh, thank God. Mind. We can all not care together. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. That's my specialty. Yeah, well... I think we all have that in common, regardless of a generation gap. Speaking of generations. generation gaps. <laughs> oh, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> so whose idea was it to uh, watch this episode for this one episode? That was yours. Damn. Okay, so. Bastard. So for this, this special edition of Superhero Time Presents, that one episode of Star Trek, I thought it'd be good to have something that didn't require any, like, you know context really so that somebody who hasn't watched or listened to the previous hundred episodes or watched the associated Star Trek episodes could just jump right in and be confused like anybody else would have been who's been listening to the podcast before so I thought because that's our target demographic or people who don't like Star Trek and don't like podcasts <laughs> or at least our goal is that by the end of the podcast they will no longer like podcasts or Star Trek 
<laughs> oh, I think we have a good shot at this. Yeah, so what I ended up settling on for this was the uh, pilot episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. So tonight we're watching Encounter at Farpoint. Or, Woo! well, one of us is watching Encounter at Farpoint tonight because he did not do so in the weeks he had to prepare, uh, whereas the rest of us did our homework on time. I was at the beach. How, how long are you going to fall back on that excuse, anyway? Until the tide comes in? I don't know. I don't have a good beach metaphor to make there. You know, but if you're going to rely again, on I mean, the beach is... as your excuse, you really should be prepared with, you know, metaphors, similes, uh, you know, limericks. <laughs> now, once was a man from Nantucket. No, no, I mean, this is, this, come on, it's a counter at far point. First of all, it's, it's a pilot episode. It's not like it's going to be that complex or nuanced. I've, you know, I've watched this multiple times over my illustrious career of watching Star Trek. I just like how the episode opens up when we get a man in a skirt within the first minute and a half. It, yeah, it's powerful television. And this is all, you know, while Picard's narrating how they're about to uh, embark uh, toward the vast unexplored mass of your mom. One thing I noticed about this, like, it's a grainy as hell look, at least on Netflix. Oof. But that's because it's the HD transfer. Yeah. Beautiful, film beautiful grain film beautiful, grain. Scott. Don't hate on it. Definitely gives a texture. Uh, like the texture of the, the plain concrete walls they've got the bridge made out of in this. Yeah. <laughs> Also, I gotta say, I'm sorry, Patrick Stewart is poured into that skin-tight cat suit of a uniform. Look at that man. Are you saying this as a problem, or...? No, just an observation that, good lord, that man was tight. Well, let's just take a moment to comment on Troy's outfit here. Of how she's wearing a mini skirt that she can barely pull down over her crotch, and somehow manages it to not make it sexy at all. Well, she's sitting there like she's at a, at a third grade recital with her knees together, like leaned backwards. She looks very strange. Well, she's desperately trying not to reveal the goods, but it's impressive that she's wearing like the shortest skirt known to mankind. And like, it's not the least bit attractive. It's certainly better than the outfit she wore for the rest of season one. Yeah. I don't really know what wardrobe was thinking making that switch. Like, I mean, fine, if they didn't want to have her in the miniskirt uniform for the whole time, like, okay, fair enough, I guess. But, you know, going from that to burlap, purple sparkly burlap for the entire rest of the season just seems like an odd switch. Okay, everybody was horribly dressed for the first season or so. Oh, without a doubt. That's a fair point. But yeah. Those, those spandex outfits are just bad. They're well, terrible. and then, like, there's all the non-Starfleet wardrobe we see in season one. Oh, the engineers? Okay, then. Uh, like I'm also the, thinking, like, the you know the people on the various planets. This episode just oh, jumps yeah. right into it. They go, hey, Data's an android. Also, I'm feeling a powerful mind, and now there's a force field. Shit is happening quick and dirty. Yeah, uh, this episode doesn't fuck around before getting right to Star Trek. See, like, there's there's sort of a pacing problem here because they like really front load everything into the into the opening teaser, basically. And then there's like these vast reaches of the episode in the middle where literally nothing's happening, and they they really could have spaced this out a little bit more, you know, to have a more even flow. I'm sorry. What did you say? What? Yeah, I wasn't paying attention. What? 
<laughs> oh, I like it. So, okay, force field. Oh, shit, there's this, and there's CGI. Oh, crap, there's CGI. And then there's Q. What the fuck is going on? Yeah, Q seems to be kind of picking up from where Squire of Gothos left off. Yeah, that is, oh, yeah, you're right. That's kind of a, that's that's almost insightful, XV. I have my moments. Yeah, so, like, powerful mind, uh, weird grid force field thing, which I guess they recreated the effect well enough for the HD version. Something about it just seems a little bit off compared to the original. I don't know. Maybe it's the film grain. Um, but yeah, then so, Q appears on the bridge as a as a pirate captain. What I noticed about this is it reminds me very much of original series. The the, the tone that Q is taking oh, yes. is very much yeah. The I, god entity shows up and taunts you. I don't think they knew freezes, how to write anything else. Uh, freezes Ensign Eric Estrada. Yeah, what the hell. <laughs> And Troy takes like a full minute and a half to realize he's frozen. It's as if the frostbite wasn't a clue. Or maybe she had to wait until uh, Ensign Torres realized himself that he was frozen and then she read it from his mind and that's how she knew he was frozen. I sense cold. (laughs) (laughs) Either that she's sitting there and the two, two points in the front of her uniform suddenly appear. I mean... I mean, she's empathic. I mean, yeah, she doesn't have to, like, technically read minds. It, well, this episode doesn't really make a good distinction for that, because, like, even when they say outright that she's empathic, five minutes earlier in the episode, she was being, like, telepathic. Right. Uh, yeah. So, you know, uh, the, uh, I, I telepathic do, later in the episode, too. Yeah. Yeah. I do like how Q, even though he's supposed to be omnipotent and know everything, he still goes through the whole facade of, like, changing uniforms to try to appeal to the humans now. And Picard's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> also, can we just talk about, like, freezing someone as a method of defense? That's Yeah, like... I mean, the first thing he does is murder one of the bridge crew. Good job, good job. No, no, he's fine. Cold. He's fine. They thought him out later. He probably kept most of his fingers and toes. <laughs> Put him in a giant microwave and put him on defrost. <laughs> <laughs> he just spun slowly for like three hours. They just sit laid him on top of the warp core for a while. <laughs> yeah, that's probably got to be really warm, right? Although the the makeup in this episode too, it's like John Delancey looks like he has like he looks like an android because he has this weird contoured makeup on. Yeah, he's got some layers on him. Oh, and then we get to the 21st century drug-addled soldier uniform. Oh, yes. It looks so cozy. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's like a giant pleat. <laughs> like, like it's swaddling clothes for infant soldiers. So, I mean, like, like, what is the functional purpose of being dressed in a quilt? Well, in the future, the only all the other weapons and guns have been outlawed, so all they have is nerf. Okay, so, like, the soldier is from World War Three and after, as we find out later on. So, like, is this, you know, nuclear winter wear? Eh, it's, uh, yeah, it's not white, so they can wear it after Labor Day. So, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Because as, Although... as we find out, it's not like it's bulletproof or anything. <laughs> no. <laughs> I do would like to point out the whole thing of having the thing on your chest that you snort through your nose and the gray and everything. That's very Jim Hadar. Yeah. Yeah. Very Ketracel white. It's also very, like, evolution of vaping. <laughs> so, like, that's that's another thing we can say Star Trek predicted. It's chest-mounted jewels. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Not even Q's that douchey. 
I don't know. I like the telegraph. Douchey, because going back for just a minute, uh, when he was dressed as the Marine Corps captain, his uniform was wrong. Well, that's not really surprising. Let's get nitpicky on this. (laughs) Two uh, rifle shooting badges on. He was both a sharpshooter and an expert at the same time. Well, he's cute. He's omnipotent. Yeah, he can do that. Duh. I like how he's smoking. (laughs) Pistol qualification badge. (laughs) So I like that we, we telegraph Worf becoming the real security officer because he's the first one to say maybe we should do something about this. And you're always like, oh shit, my job, my job. <laughs> yeah, totally what he said. Well, you know, he's a Klingon, which we have to point out like four or five times just in this one episode so that you understand that he's a Klingon. Well, you might not recognize him because he looks different from how he used to. Except we've had the movies before this and the Klingons look more like that. Oh, don't get me started on the way Klingons looked at the history of Star Trek. No, I mean, Enterprise explained that. Which I'm totally fucking okay with, by the way. As far as I'm concerned, that's the answer. Well, it is the answer. Enterprise the is never the answer. <laughs> hey, Mickey, what's your favorite Star Trek? Oh, wait, yeah, you're right. That doesn't apply. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, Q's, red. Q's whole purpose here is to you know, make humanity go back home because they're a bad influence on the rest of the universe because they're dangerous and savage and uncivilized and have no future ahead of them. Picard is, uh, you know, understandably kind of miffed at the accusation and it says, you know, Q has no right to prosecute and judge them. And boy, Q certainly lights up at the, at the mention of that. Also, if if, if Q, I know Q's lying because he lets Janeway exist. Well, that's, Talk that's, about going that's, too far and fucking up everything you touch. That's later. I mean, you know, Q kind of mellowed out as he got older. Yes. Well, once he had a kid, <laughs> he got laid. <laughs> yeah, as soon as Picard says judge, like, Q was like, oh, what's that? Hoisted by your own petard? Yeah, I'm game. Yeah, it's a bit of a Stay Puft Marshmallow situation where it's like, you know, <laughs> he says it, so that's what's going to happen. So Q leaves so, and, you know... Picard's great plan is let's try and outrun this thing. But, but yeah. you know, let's not transmit any messages over intercom because they might be listening. But they totally can't just look and read our screen. So we'll send printed messages to all stations. And also we're going to send Worf or down to engineering. Or window. Yeah, we're going to send Worf down to engineering to tell them in person what we're going to do uh, so that we have a justification to build an engineering set. <laughs> Which is literally what happened. Okay, so as this chase is going on, I want to uh, plumb Scott's nerdness here. <laughs> so the Enterprise is going, what, 9.6 or whatever? Yeah. And Q is going like 9.8, 9.9? Shouldn't they have like overtaken the Enterprise like more than instantly at that speed? Not Yeah, because I mean... because it's a logarithmic scale, even a small variation at that high number is a massive, massive jump in actual velocity. So yeah. Like like the difference between warp one point one and one point two is minimal, but the difference between nine point one and nine point two is massive. Because it's it's a scale that, that goes up exponentially. See, they just don't respect what was established in previous canons in this Star Trek. It's not real Star Trek. I have to agree. I mean, the captain doesn't even have nice hair. Pretty good scalp, though. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I'd polish it like a shoe. Squeaky, squeaky. Oh, and this is the part where Worf stands up and says, I am a Klingon. And everyone goes, oh. <laughs> yeah, Thanks so, for just saying that, because that's good writing when the characters state what they are. Yeah, so running away doesn't seem to be super effective here, because um, Q can go however fast Q wants to, basically. And I think is only just, you know, slowly gaining on them because it's more fun. Oh, um, yeah, he's playing with them like a cat and mouse. So Picard has the great idea. Data, has anyone ever separated a saucer section at uh, maximum warp speed? Hey, can we make a drinking game every time we see a scant we can take a shot? Sure. <laughs> That'd be more, f- more. I was going to say more fun, but not really. That'd be more interesting if uh, Russ was here. <laughs> yeah. well, it'd, be, it'd be like, can I take a bottle every time someone wears a scant? <laughs> can I take a mason jar every time? Yeah. I just want to point out here that the evacuation scene, when all the civilians are running around, there's a mom, and like her child is dressed in a matching floral outfit. Uh huh. With a cape. Yeah. So? Didn't that your parents dress you that way? Mine did. I'm just saying. I mean, are you jealous or. A little? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's how you know they're a family unit. Because they wear matching capes. Yes. Casually, not, you know, for work. Yeah, right. you don't want to do formal capes. That's just pretentious. Well, you know, the formal cape would be a lot longer, and you'd need people to, like, hold up the end so it doesn't drag the floor. It's got a higher collar. It's a whole, pr- it's a whole production. Boy, you guys are right. Boy, they pa- packed a lot of stuff in this. Okay, let's do battle bridge. Let's do saucer separation. Let's, oh, my gosh. They are just... Pushing as much as they can in the pipe. Well, okay, and like Kato into the battle bridge. Oh, you mean call Meanie? Yeah, I like O'Brien doesn't even have a name in this episode. They just keep calling him Khan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe he was a criminal. <laughs> okay, so like until um, all good things at the end of the series, there was not even concrete establishment that that call Meanie appearance was the same character. That was that was O'Brien's brother, Conward. <laughs> Conward. <laughs> Why is Conward what you came up with for the full name? It could have been Conathan. I actually like that a little bit better. Well, Conathan doesn't sound nearly as Irish. Conroy. Connor. Connor's Irish. That's not a real name. Connor Potatoes <laughs> O'Brien. <laughs> That sounds delicious. I'm hungry. <laughs> mm, potatoes O'Brien. Is it like all gratin or how is it? It's just raw potatoes soaked in whiskey. <laughs> Again, delicious. <laughs> okay, so the sausage separation, which is all amazing and awesome and we all love it. But let's just... Okay, so there were movie at 9.6, was it? Yeah, some crazy shit. Yeah. That was the last reported separate, speech. yeah. And the saucer pulls away from the star drive session? Uh, well, they said at one point that they were going to reverse power just as the saucer cleared so it could get out ahead. So presumably okay, but, they did that. But then as soon as it exits the warp bubble, shouldn't it immediately just vanish from sight? Ah, yes. well, in season four, they also say that it will take two to three minutes for the saucer section to drop out of warp if they separate at warp speed. 
Yeah. Okay. Although that's funny though, because like then you have to ask: Is, is that because there's a warp residual warp bubble around it, or are they just moving like at relativistic speed through normal space? It, it, at which point you know, the universe will die before they stop. Down. As <laughs> as Star Trek science was developed more later on, the answer would be that it retained a residual warp bubble because if the warp bubble collapses, you just drop out of warp. Like it's not an inertial thing; it's uh, very much a right. warp space time exactly. thing. So yep. whether it's something that's purposely built into the saucer section, like a photon torpedo has to hold on to a warp field for a certain amount of time, or if it's just a natural function of the warp field will kind of cling to this and decay at a predictable rate keeping it in warp for a set amount of time like i don't think that's ever been really laid out but God, yeah i really want to make fun of you this but that's all absolutely correct <laughs> <laughs> i mean you know i've been amassing this knowledge literally for 30 years so it's not like i've you know just binged on all this in a week you could have an education i could but there didn't seem to be much point I mean, it wouldn't help you do a podcast like this, so what the fuck? That's true. Everything I learned, I learned from podcasting. So with the saucer section safely away, <laughs> Picard's big plan is to, well, I guess we'll figure something out now. Oh, oh, but don't forget, he also ordered uh, Tasha to fire photon torpedoes back toward Q to blind them. <laughs> He wanted to he wanted to blind them at the moment of saucer separation, but like you know, the explosions happen several seconds after the saucer pulls away and they turn around and sit. Yeah, the the explosions don't happen until after the star drive has turned around and headed back. Yeah. Uh, re relativity, well, relativity. That's because they fired them I into think someone the next time zone, <laughs> so they were an hour behind. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, standard beach time. <laughs> I mean, they have faster so than light sensors, so I don't think it's, you know, a, a relativistic thing. All right, so, so, yeah, they get pulled off to the side, and there's a flash of light, and now they're in the, the courtroom scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've been teleported to night court. Yeah, which is funny, because I love the court. fact that uh, it's very multi-ethnic, and there are uh, quite a number of little people uh, here for some reason. I think that's supposed to represent, you know, horrible uh, nuclear mutation. Well, that's really insulting. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Uh, especially since it's like largely small people yeah. and also Asians. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously the worst parts of humanity. <laughs> oh, we're never going to do another episode of this. I say that sarcastically. Thank yeah, we really know the worst parts of humanity are right here on this podcast. <laughs> right. I, I do love that Troy has to like point out, like, this isn't an illusion, it's all real. It's like, who the fuck made you the arbiter, bitch? <laughs> It could have been a holodeck, even though we haven't established that technology yet. Well, they did in the animated series, but whatever. Yeah, nobody counted that back then. They should have. That's They should have. That's their mistake. Yeah, I mean, animated series was good stuff. Uh, we podcasted the whole thing. People should go back to the back catalog and listen to that. Oh, we did? Yeah. I know. I'm just... You were there. <laughs> I know. That's <laughs> Was he, though, or, like, did he forget and go to a barbecue instead? I was drunk a lot. As as well you should have been. I think Yasha wants to fuck that future soldier. Sorry, Yasha? Tasha, that's what I said, Tasha. No, you said Yasha. No. I did not. Yasha's I said Yasha. You did. I have, I have a recording. <laughs> no, there's no way you can prove that. I can prove a great deal of things. I'm uh, quite good at... Uh, 
you know, proving things with audio. Okay, so we're at this this Alabama Rocky Horror Convention. Yeehaw. <laughs> and then, like, one of my favorite things about all this episode, though, is Q being carried out on a shaky forklift. Yeah. Yeah. Where he's just, like, trying to, like, wriggle as you can see him bouncing along. <laughs> also, I love the fact that the fashion is this weird medieval post-apocalyptic. Like, they look like peasants from a medieval village. It's like if Mad Max had agriculture. Okay, so here's the other thing. So Q's like outfit here, the red and black thing with the big medallion. It, is that the way judges wore stuff in the 21st century in World War III, or is that just Q being Q? Yes. Yeah, okay. I just never knew if that was like a Q thing, or he's just still making fun of humans for having World War III. Yes, that's a fair point. Well, nobody calls him out on, you know, his uh, his attire being incorrect for the period like they were doing on the bridge. Yeah. So either, like, they didn't prioritize that at the time, or it was appropriate to the period as they understood it. And I love the uh, the, 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 the bears carved out of chocolate. He has his armrest. <laughs> <laughs> they look delicious. Man, Palmer I bet, Easter rabbits. I bet post-apocalyptic <laughs> chocolate is even worse than what we have now. <laughs> it's just mainly sand and brown. <laughs> and I like how like, he was like, you are too savage and emotional. So Tasha stands up and starts screaming as she starts crying. And starts trying to kick people's asses. Right, yeah. Wait, wait to prove the point. <laughs> Yeah, she totally goes after uh, Sergeant. I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> oh, man, you're right, aren't you? That He totally looks like he came out of RoboCop. Uh, this, the, uh, that, this is where the HD uh, up, up rendering is just bad because you can totally tell that's not Denise Crosby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you had that problem a lot through Next Generation, and it's even worse in the HD version of the original series. Because, like, especially back then, they were doing this with the understanding that, yeah, these uh, these screens are seven inches across and uh, are going to be fuzzy, so nobody's going to know the difference. Right. Oh, but yeah. you can still know the difference because, like, suddenly in some scenes, she starts acting better. <laughs> <laughs> like, I totally believe Tashiar could do that spin kick in that scene. And then she stopped and she started talking and I didn't believe it anymore. <laughs> well, I mean, be able to do a kick like that in those kind of pants. Oh, yeah. A high kick in one of those jumpsuits it's has impressive. to be dangerous. Like, you're just getting oh, in a crotch also just like the of there. Picard, like, you know, killing people with speeches. I mean, he might have tried to kill someone with a speech. It didn't seem to, like, have much of an impact. Well, it's just like one of those things where they have all this, this, all this conflict, and there's space battles and fights and illusions and force fields, and it just comes down to Picard going, "No, you," and then everything's resolved. Resolve might be a strong description. Well, it, yes, absolutely. I mean, By this... resolve, we mean Tasha gets frozen and then thawed out, so she's fine. She's just a little hamburgery, a little freezer burn. She's going to be around for years to come. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like this Denise Crosby. She's got a future. She'll she'll make captain one day. <laughs> okay, but Im important point here: Did Troy have to identify that she had been frozen? She's working on it. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. 
So Q saws her back out, and then Troy's like, so wait, what just happened? She's frozen, Captain! (laughs) 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 Alright, so... Carl basically says, okay, yes, Q, you're right, we're dicks. But, you know, maybe we're not anymore? Well, uh, he'll answer the charges individually one by one. So they gives us a list of all the charges, and then Picard's like, I don't see my name on this list. Touche! <laughs> <laughs> well, Q has the best counter to that, though, because then he just orders the soldiers over there to point guns at them, and it orders them to kill everybody, unless Picard says guilty. Man. Yeah, and that scene, boy, her skirt really is short, isn't it? My goodness. I can't believe they stopped putting her in the skirt because it's too hard to shoot. <laughs> Like okay, we gotta reshoot this scene again, Deanna. Well, I think it's like when you when you okay, I can't imagine what it's like to wear clothes like that. When you sit down, it's just your bare ass sitting on whatever you're sitting, even though you're wearing clothing. That's just weird. You can't imagine that. I'm doing it right now. Well, I know you are, and I appreciate you stop sending me pictures of it. I think JD could have given us some insights on that too. <laughs> imagine JD in a scant. Well, we got pictures of that somewhere, don't we? I mean, a scant is basically a nightshirt, right? Depends on how high it's hemmed. (laughs) Well, any shirt's a nightshirt if you wear it at night. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Oh, okay, so now there's just pedantic arguing back and forth about what the definition of is is. (sighs) So... Let's just take a moment to reflect on where we've established Picard so far in the beginning of the series. He's kind of stiff, cold, and argumentative. Yeah. 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 They totally didn't get this character at all. Oh, and they they do show off that uh, that Data can perfectly mimic other people's voices. So that's a thing. Yes, and somehow that doesn't come across as being a strange thing, does it? Well, no, I mean, even then we knew, like, you know, robots could do stuff like that, so. They were also pretty good building cars. Although that said, Brent Spiner's uh, Patrick Stewart voice is always funny. Pretty spot on. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Also, Data, he's a lot more robotic in this than he is in later episodes. But that kind of makes sense for the character development, doesn't it? It does, but it's something yeah, I never really paid attention to before, but like, he is really kind of Uncanny Valley in a lot of scenes. Yeah, he's very bleep bloop, yeah, look at me, I'm a robot. A, he should have been a little farther along than this, because he's been through Starfleet Academy. Like, he's, well, they found him, like, what, 20-some years ago at this point? Yeah, so that's yeah. a point I wanted to bring up, too, especially in relation to the opening scene of the episode where he doesn't understand the word snoop. And yet, and yet, he has been in Starfleet for 20 years and has been around humans for at least 25 years. Like, his level... Maybe he's like 3PO and they reset him every year. (laughs) No, but his level of social development should be much more sophisticated. I mean, he's a living computer. He doesn't have a thesaurus. So I read a novel at some point... um, set before the start of the series and one of the things it tried to kind of smooth out with this is that until data met picard and geordi and all them like there were few if any people in starfleet that would actually 
like have a conversation with him or even you know treat him like he was anything but a computer so he didn't get a chance to have social development until very far into his life which i mean it makes he was stationed sense. on the uss pulaski <laughs> <laughs> It, it travels specifically by folding space. It also tried to explain why after, like, two decades in Starfleet, he yep. was only a lieutenant commander, which is just because, like, up until a point, he didn't take any, like, active interest in advancing his career. He just did whatever job he was told to and had no ambition. Like, it's a novel. It doesn't really count, but it kind of makes sense in context if you kind of look at how he is in this episode. Like, he's only just starting to learn how to be more of a person and not just an android. Yeah. It's reasonable enough. Yeah. So, Picard just Picard's his way out of the situation. <laughs> Q tells, teleports him back to the battle bridge. Now they're on the way they're supposed to go, and then suddenly, Riker. Well, no, before that, Potatoes goes, <laughs> well, this is going to be boring, huh? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I just, so, like... As blasé as he is about the whole situation when they come back, I have to wonder, like, from his perspective, what has just happened? <laughs> That's true, yeah, because he was just kind of sitting there. Because, yeah, I mean, oh, okay, so you can... He watched the whole thing on the video screen. Well, I was going to say, you can assume that for him, like, maybe no time has passed. Like, he didn't even perceive that the bridge crew was whisked away. But at the same time, he also doesn't act like they were just being chased by a fireball through space uh, and had to no, ditch I the saucer section. No, I think he's pissed because he they're wasn't still, important enough to be he teleported says they're still to. On course. Yeah, it's it's yeah, strange. Like they never even like they never even stopped to turn around. Yeah. So like, did Q remove the knowledge of the incident from everyone? And if so, like, okay, why is the ship separated? You know, but then there's the visual log just later. Blackout drunk the whole time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I I find that's probably the more likely outcome. Okay, what if like everyone in the crew knew exactly what was going on because they all saw the same events, and O'Brien just doesn't care because this is still calmer than fighting Cardassians on some shithole planet. That's so true. This, this is, is boring to him. Yeah, this is probably his easiest job in years. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's like, ooh, and a being made out of pure energy. Meh. <laughs> In Star Trek, those are a dime a dozen. So, yeah, suddenly... Wait, right when I'm serving 40 years in an imaginary jail. Oh, my God, yeah. Uh... All right, All I'm right. backing up the episode to where Riker comes in. That's where I'm starting. <laughs> yes, enter Will Riker, baby-faced and full of acting. <laughs> Butt-chinned and ready to go. <laughs> and, and he's meeting Groppler Zorn, who looks like Raiden on a meth binge. <laughs> the fate of billions. <laughs> oh, sorry. That's a pretty accurate representation of his voice. And acting ability. Yeah, well. <laughs> you know, when you when you leave Transformers and go into legit acting, this is what you get. Well, he's going to be mad when he hears this podcast. <laughs> how, many times, how many times did Michael Bell show up in Star Trek? Uh, Three, maybe. So, too many? He's no Jeffrey Cohen. this, he was yeah. a Bajoran in Deep Space Nine. I think he showed up twice in Deep Space Nine. Same okay, character? so are we totally I... lost on the symbology of offering fruit? You know, like the whole good and evil garden apple thing? 
I admit that I wasn't paying attention to that, but they actually mentioned it. It seems pretty fucking obvious. Absolutely. <laughs> My job here is done! Oh, good. You can leave. I get it. He was the snake. <laughs> well, who was the snake, though? Because the apples weren't there to start with. Uh, I guess we'll have to watch the episode to find out, huh? Because then Groppler starts talking to nobody. I'm sure, you know, he was talking to all the people in his head. You, you shouldn't judge his life choices. Man, what kind of cloth is that, too? Who wears stuff like that? Hobos. I mean, it's like some Star Star Wars-looking shit. Come on, man. You're, you're in Star Trek. Have some decorum. So, we, we have the contrast... <laughs> Uncle Owen corpses. <laughs> so, we have the contrast here between Grappler Zorn's office, which is in the, you know, the indigenous people's city... Uh, which the is mud, the mud huts? Yeah, it's basically yeah, it's a, Adobe. Um, and then you uh, pan over to Farpoint Station, which is basically uh, the Space Needle and a shopping mall all in one, <laughs> with and children climbing on trees unattended. Yeah, yeah, like like a like a mall is infested with children, including one Wesley Crusher. Fortunately, there is only one Wesley Crusher. We should have multiple Wesley Crushers. One is too many. <laughs> no, Crushers that crush Wesleys. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, there was that one time Wesley got stabbed through the gut. That was so great. <laughs> wow, boy. So Rucker's trying to cozy up to Crusher, and Crusher basically tells him to fuck off. It's none of his business what they're doing. Holy jeez. Yeah, um, this is an interesting take on Beverly here. Um, she's definitely a Starfleet doctor in this episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. I like that Wesley's making excuses for her, though. Uh, you know, oh, don't worry, Commander. She's she's uh, not a bad person. She's just frigid. Yeah, she she's not I mean, a bitch. She just doesn't know you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she spent all morning curing a rainy yeah, day. We can do that in the twenty fourth century. <laughs> Her brand new first officer of being a suck up is all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she calls him out on it. Holy jeez. Yeah, that's the first thing I do when I get a new boss, and the boss goes, "Hey, hey, it's nice to meet you." No, it isn't. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> and she pulls out the purple fabric. You know, this would look lovely some, with some brown on it. She rubs it on his nose. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> you know, of course, I, Riker's I, sitting there in his head. He's going, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna." at that at some point. I think I like this version of Beverly better than the one we got. <laughs> Just shady as all hell. <laughs> it, it'd be like, you know, having Pulaski, but without the racism and also, uh, you know, geriatric level. Yeah. Then we have Jordy. He's so stiff. That's Riker. <laughs> Well, I mean, he's that way all yeah, the time. Uh, Jordy's the one that comes up to about yeah, Jordy's his, like his abs. Show- yeah. Anyway, you know, you'd be acting so a little Jordy bit stiff, shows up too. And goes, uh, hey. You'd be acting a little bit stiff, too, if you had that uh, visor limiting your field of view. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, Jordy shows up, like, does, like, a heel snap and goes, reporting to duty, sir, that the Enterprise just showed up without a saucer section. And Rucker honestly goes, well, you know, no, goes, no, well, no. why? And then no, Jordy, Jordy goes, I don't know. Jordy tries to report to him and talk like Jordy, a normal Jordy person. Jordy up. Riker, like, makes him stand at attention and and give a report. This is the, Jordy is the only person he ever does this to. How screwed up is that? Yeah. Well, he's Jordy. You gotta, you gotta keep Jordy's in line. 
because you don't want them to feel too full of themselves. The other ones have their hand over the button on the, the warp core. <laughs> yeah, that does come across as kind of racist, doesn't it? I mean... Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. And then when Riker finally meets Picard, oh, what a great scene. That scene is weird as hell. Yeah, it is. Oh, I love it. The look on Riker's face of... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> This is going to be a long assignment. Picard so literally seven... doesn't even look at him. So, seven years of this, huh? <laughs> I love the look that Data and Potatoes give each other. Like, <laughs> yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, we'll be transferring to, like, you know, the Farragut as soon as we can. <laughs> can we get on the Yamato? That ship doesn't sound cursed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a galaxy class. We can do that. All right, so Picard basically says, Yar, show him what happened last episode. <laughs> and then proceeds to show us what happened last episode. The problem is, even but, this indication cut, we we're still in the first episode. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if I'm going to watch an ep- episode of Star Trek, I want to watch it by also seeing Riker's back of his head. <laughs> yeah, know? I mean, this was... It's this like was... he was MSTing the episode for us. Uh, or it's the prototype of, like, YouTube reaction videos. <laughs> Turns around to look like, what the fuck did I just watch? Okay, so, like, <laughs> the syndication cut for Encounter at Farpoint takes out a lot of stuff from the feature-length episode. One of the things it does is heavily cut down on the uh, clip show in the middle of the first episode. Uh, like, a lot of the syndication <laughs> cuts... <fucking> clip show. <laughs> a lot of the syndication cuts for this episode are actually, like, vastly to the benefit of the story pacing. But yeah, then Riker has this, like, ridiculousness. Riker has this, like, bizarre reaction to it, like, he calls that a little adventure. The delivery is so forced, and his, like, everything about that is so terrible. Uh Uh-huh. He Uh. calls that a little (laughs) adventure. Line. (laughs) (laughs) So, he... What's my motivation? He forced into the captain's battle-ready room (laughs) or something. I don't know. I think it's just a closet. Yeah, the the battle closet. (laughs) The battle closet. Yeah. And the Riker's like, okay, so that's weird. Picard's like, yeah, um, park the ship with your eyes closed. (laughs) Don't fuck it up. No, Picard first, he's like, yeah, but we're alive, so whatever. Oh, yeah. Okay, so something I want to point out here. Uh, when Riker gets on the bridge the first time, uh, I think Data reports that the saucer section is something like 53 minutes out. And then by the time Riker finishes and goes and reports to Picard, the saucer section is there. So for as long as it took us to watch him watch that clip show, in, in universe time, Riker was sitting there for an hour watching the first episode of the show. Well, <laughs> see, unlike us, he had to watch the commercials, too. Oh, well, that'll do it. See Rock City. Wonder if there's any commercials for uh, USA Network's Night Flight featuring, you know, Dynaman. Oh, it'd yes, it'd be about Flight. the right time period. Yeah, nineteen eighty six. Wow. Seven. Yeah. Eighty eight. Nineteen eighty seven. So yeah, so the saucer section, I, I guess, coasted into orbit. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're uh, a little fast and loose with the science on this. 
I'm not because sure. they dumped them like in the middle of nowhere, and they make it to the star system in less than I don't know a thousand years. Yeah, so like <laughs> a a why didn't the star drive go and rendezvous with the saucer section, which by all rights would have been faster than letting the saucer section just like mosey its own damn way over there. Uh, no, no, no. When you, when you want to go somewhere, you have your friend walk to your house to get to your car, then you drive somewhere. You don't go to their house and pick them <laughs> up and then go to where you're going. And Dummy. then, to manually dock the star drive with the saucer just seems to be incredibly stupid to do for no reason other than to see if your number one has nerves. Well, it's worth it to risk the uh, you know the structural integrity of the fucking flag, brand new flagship of the Federation. Well, it's not even like it's the first galaxy class ship. I mean, there's you know they can oh, no. replace it. Yeah, there's spare parts. Boy, a con, con really gets some smirks in, doesn't he? <laughs> well, okay, that's... call Meany. Uh, can you just smirk some more? We need some more smirks from you. That's probably why they brought him back. Can you, can you smirk it up? He's a smirker. <laughs> Smirked your mom. Mango. That so. is a hideous planet they're orbiting, by the way. Deneb 4. Deneb 4. Yeah, it's fucking hideous. That's what I said. Oh, Picard has a Mr. Fusion on his table. <laughs> and apparently it's from Goth Target. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, anyway, Riker manages to direct the manual docking of the ship without wrecking anything, so... Uh, oh, yeah, by the way, he succeeds, right. Yeah, yeah. Good. I'm glad you let the audience know that. Yeah. Yeah. Spoilers. So, Picard takes him up to the real ready room, or the conference room, rather, and says, Okay, so I read your report, and it sounds like you hate your captains. You willing to go on and have any fun? What if I said I wanted a dune buggy? What would you say to that? <laughs> So yeah, they do have the whole thing where the captain's not supposed to beam down, which is, I think, a huge departure from the original series. I think they were trying to make that point. But yeah, that is funny. Also, Picard says, I fucking hate children. Kill them on sight. I find yes, this relatable. Can you just have the teleporters? If, if anyone were... under uh, five and a half feet tall just automatically gets transported into space, that'd be great. Okay, well, that's going to be a problem for uh, this ensign that we see in a little bit. Oh, um, Ensign uh, Thirsty Trap? Yep. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> That's <What>? the one. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to her in a bit. Uh-huh. Mm, all right. The scene ends really weirdly, where it's like Picard's putting his hand to shake Riker's hand, but Riker never returns the motion. Hmm... Like, you see Picard's meeting, arm move After forward. meeting Picard and Crusher, maybe he just assumes that everybody on board is a dick and he's just trying to fit in? Yeah, oh, that's yeah. fair. Fair. That's fair. Yeah. Well, maybe that's why he uh, treated Jordy the way he did. He's just trying to, like, you know, get into the spirit of the ship and, you know, pay it forward. No, no, no. No, Picard clearly reaches forward, cups his balls. That's why he doesn't reach forward. And you see that smile that Riker gives? <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a ball cup and smile right there. You know, speaking of Jordy and being dicks. <laughs> so, sick bay then. Yeah. Yes. So, um, Beverly is marveling over Jordy's visor. Because they totally didn't have time to do this while they were waiting on the planet for the Enterprise to show up in two pieces. 
And Jordy very rudely says, yes, yes, yes. I've heard this all before a billion times. Shut up. <laughs> well, pain. well, he probably has. And it's kind of understandable that he'd be kind of sick of everybody just marveling over his uh, wonderful, probably actually very run-of-the-mill ordinary prosthetic device. Well, it's the same that Troy has to keep doing. Yes, they're real. Yes, they're mine. The hair, however, is like, not. The second that scene ends, Crusher turns over to someone in a wheelchair and says, these wheels are fascinating. They let you move around. <laughs> so what you're Boy, saying is you the wheels stairs, on the chair huh? go round and round? Hmm. Now I can replace your legs, but then your wheels wouldn't work anymore. <laughs> Maybe that's the remarkable thing about Jordy. Uh, like, you know, there's a technology to clone working replacements for his eyes, but he doesn't want that. Maybe that's why he's a medical marvel, because he's weird. I thought in continuity, the reason why they couldn't do that is because its eyes were naturally non-functional. If they cloned them, the clones would also not work. Yeah, it was a genetic defect. Mm. Like... There's other blindness they can cure, but his particular form of it is not curable at this stage. Yeah. I, well, they could have you know, clone somebody else's eyes and put them in. You have your father's eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Take those out of his mouth. <laughs> so Riker makes his way up to the bridge, and uh, Worf is standing there because Klingons do not use chairs. Well, you know, Worf is so high up and the chairs are so low, it must be uncomfortable. Yeah, the knees keep bunking into his forehead. <laughs> so apparently from the hood, there's an admiral coming over who's been checking nope. out like the medical bay or something? Other way around. Oh, okay. They're dropping off the old geezer. Yeah, yeah so presumably I had this, almost uh, forgot about this. Presumably the old admiral has been on board through the whole Q thing, too. And being completely unimpressed, probably. Probably, yeah. He was just here to smash champagne over the, the sick bay to christen it. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, it, it, well, it couldn't be whiskey if he would have drunk it. Yeah, so, so we're, we're treated about, to ancient-ass uh, Dr. McCoy. Let's talk about McCoy's old age makeup here and how it's weirdly good, but also weirdly terrible at the same time. Yeah. I mean, it's weirdly good in that, like, it blends naturally into his face. It's weirdly bad because, like, so this is what you think a 137-year-old man looks like. And well, somehow it, it doesn't look like McCoy at all. Yeah, that's the problem I have with it. It doesn't look like, like McCoy Kelly. either. It doesn't sound like him either. Yeah. Oh my god, is this a like conspiracy? He's talking with, with a southern <laughs> accent? Well, he is southern. the weirdest thing. Yeah, but he's like, he's doing it wrong. Hey y'all! Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he, a boy. He's uh, he's gotten uh, more southern and also somehow more racist. Yeah, because you know people get less racist as they get older. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just that like I thought he was probably about as racist as he could get before, and okay, yet boomer. he he literally keeps calling Data boy. Yeah, and he has uh, nothing but disparaging <laughs> things to say about Vulcans. And then when yeah. Data says, you know, people usually consider Vulcans to be a noble, honorable race, and then McCoy's basically like, oh yeah, my best friends are Vulcans. Yeah, but McCoy also read the history books how they treated humans back in Enterprise era. No, that hadn't happened yet. <laughs> <laughs> Goddamn temporal mechanics! 
But yeah, Dana's escorting McCoy to the shuttle bay because, of course, McCoy won't beam over to the hood. That scene is obviously trying to play at your heartstrings, but it kind of works a little bit. I think well, it's, it's also it there to try to, like, you know, give the blessing of the original series to the new series. Yeah, it's mm. a handoff for sure. Yeah. Now, what, what they should have been... they should have had like Kirk come up at the end of the, the original series and like high five Picard. Yeah, yeah. Pass it on to him. They should have banged the same chick on the same night and then became like you know, slut brothers. Wait, does it only work in college or is that work in Star Trek too? That's not a thing, Scott. Oh, it's not okay. That guy lied to me. <laughs> So now we've jettisoned the past forever. Sure. Uh, we'll cut up here to Picard jauntily skipping into the bridge to find out if the hood captain responded to his cheeky French phrase. <laughs> yeah. What did he say? What did he say back? And Q is predictably tired of this shit. I gave you an episode to do. Why are you ignoring it? <laughs> Also, <laughs> the fact that Worf wants to shoot the view screen with his little key fob. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. Well, there's also and some they more... Call out on it. Yeah, there's some more foreshadowing here, too. Um, like, Riker compliments Worf on reacting quickly, but Picard chides him for acting futilely. Worf says he'll get better, but he doesn't. <laughs> Worf has nothing but a future of futile responses in his uh, in his career. Captain, I will happily get my ass kicked by every two-bit alien on, in, the, in the quadrant. Okay, so that's another thing I was thinking about Tasha Yard, why she didn't work as security officer. Because she was too competent? Well, because okay, what Worf's job is to get his ass kicked, show how serious the situation is, right? Yeah, if theoretically. Tasha Yard getting her ass kicked all the time, that would not look good at all. Well, no, that's why Worf is there, because he's the designated ass kicky. While uh, she will mostly stay at the tactical station, or stand back and okay, point, yeah, so, so point she's warp still at the immune, and she's still a competent. Okay, I got you. Yeah, so she's either going to stay at her station, or she's going to point warp at things to go and have his ass kicked by. Warp, there's an oil slick over there. Check it out. Yeah, if only Warp had beamed down at episode <laughs> two. I mean, the the entire shape of Star Trek could have changed. So Picard Ugh. has been catching up on Riker's reports of the magic space station that grants wish wishes. <laughs> yeah, they're like so fascinated about where they get their building materials from. It's like, do you, who cares? Is it unheard of that people import materials for building shit? Well, I mean, well, they seem to be having uh, some struggles with the disparity between mud huts and Space Needle. Yeah, that's true. Also, how, Seattle, also how so. Space Needle constitutes a star base also escapes me. Basically, Farpoint Station is Space Dubai. Yeah, that seems about right. Where it's the middle of a wasteland full of deserts and nothing. All of a sudden, oh, look, here's this holy building that grants wishes. Yeah, no, see, that actually uh, is a pretty reasonable comparison, too, because, like, instead of having um, a wealth of oil underneath them, they have a wealth of geothermal energy, which they speculate they could be trading for the building materials. So that, that actually kind of tracks. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see the logic behind it. Yeah. And also, it's very suspicious of how they built it all up. Right. 
Well, it's a Starfleet specification. Like, how would they even know? But it is. But this has this this that whole scene is boring and stupid compared to the next one coming up, which is Riker and Troy meeting again for the first time. <sighs> this scene is painful. It was a choice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have that never I've, their faces. I've never watched this episode and not found that whole sequence to be just like tremendously painful to experience. But at the very end of it, you get that wonderful, oh, it looks like you two have met before. And then Riker's like, we have. And Picard's like, ah, excellent. He just smiles and goes, bye bye, and walks into the turbo <laughs> lift, totally misreading the the, the, <laughs> the situation. Look at this horrified looks on these people's faces. He just smiles and skips away. They look like Picard's reaction is so fighting. funny. They look constipated. This, I've seen this before on Jerry Springer. <laughs> right before the chairs start getting thrown. That wig is coming off. That wig is coming off. Rikers? Uh, maybe. God, Boy. This is so awkward. Oh, man. <laughs> it's terrible. Picard is just clueless, which is just fucking funny to me. I don't understand children or ex-girlfriends. Okay, also the set for the mud huts on, on Farport Station it looks like a set I use for D&D miniatures. Yeah, no, I mean, it would it would be perfectly at home having, like, uh, a Megazord or an Ultraman stomping through it. <laughs> right. <laughs> In slow motion. No, I mean, I, I applaud them for, you know, the construction of their miniatures and everything like that, because I, I always prefer practical effects, because... There's nice CGI, but it's never the same. But yeah, it um, it never really conveys the scale properly in this use. We're not here to criticize their art. We're here to criticize their art and how it relates to telling the episode. Yeah, we have standards. Okay, I'll just. I'm not sure I'll what just, they are, but we have them. I'll I'll just keep waiting for Goldar to land. <laughs> so Picard has come down to meet here with Groppler Zorn. And Troy's so here to react. Wait, wait, wait. Is is this an away mission? Is Picard not supposed to be here? Well, this is a diplomatic away mission, so it's okay oh, for him okay. to go and yeah. Fucking loopholes, man. Uh huh. Yeah, he Riker's can go. He's already can, failing at his job, and it's his second day. He can go on the boring, talky away missions, but like the fun action missions, he has to stay up on the ship for. Good. Screw him. <laughs> And speaking of constipated, poor Troy. What is it, Troy? What do you feel? Pain. <laughs> oh, the pain. <laughs> sorrow, great sorrow. There's like a thousand voices cried out in pain, and then we're suddenly silenced. <laughs> do you think she knew what she was signing up for when she was cast for this part? I don't think any of them did. Not until she got to wardrobe. Uh... Yes, but when she got the wardrobe for the next episode, it had to be even worse for her. Yeah, she's like, well, I can work with this. And then, <laughs> bam. <laughs> yeah, How does she make her. a miniskirt that ugly? <laughs> oh, man. Don't be catty. I'm sorry, but it's like, it looks, it's shaped like a potato sack on her. Whoever designed that co costume should be shot. Maybe they designed it for somebody else. Oh, they named dropped the Ferengi. Yeah, the, the cannibalistic Ferengi. Everyone's favorite villains. Yeah. 
Yes, they are intensely threatening. Just wait three episodes. Ah, 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 ah. Here comes Ensign Thirsty. Oh, okay. I'm... Yeah, I'm so this is this is why it's uh, bad to beam everybody under five and a half feet tall out into space. My God, because she's, she's a midget. Yeah, she is definitely no more than four I foot ten. I can't say that. <laughs> I can't say the M word. Yes, yeah. but she's like, oh, you're new here. You must be dumb. <laughs> oh, you but... came from an Excelsior class ship. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh, yes. Ensign Thirsty gives the look down. I hate to see you go, but I like to see you leave. It's funny, too, because like, at her height, she's the perfect level to just look directly straight at Riker's ass as he's walking away. <laughs> yeah. She's got to be careful going around corners and corridors. Let's be honest. So Riker is directed to Holodeck version 1.0. So once he puts the goggles and the gloves on, which is a lengthy process... Tucks the cord into his belt. <laughs> well, he is just mystified because, which like, they're not going to put this kind of technology in a starship without putting it on like star bases and planets first. That always kind of confuses me. Look at all these fake plants. It's like I'm really in a Pier One. <laughs> <laughs> ah, thank you. I was going to make that joke if you didn't. <laughs> I'm in that one aisle at Michael's. <laughs> It even smells like old women. <laughs> no, he was just standing too close to Troy. No, I love these obviously styrofoam rocks that he jumped across. Careful, like that they third one's loose. Real rocks. Yeah, they hold his weight. Now, a question that's never answered for me really is why is Data in here? To whistle. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously. Show off the holodeck. Oh, okay. The same reason Warp went to engineering earlier, uh, so they'd have an excuse to build engineering. So they had data in here, so they'd have an excuse to build a jungle. Okay, is it weird to me that Data's makeup is... I mean, I know it's like, you know, first episode and everything, but his lips are a little too fleshy. Oh, they are. Yeah. He's drinking Kool-Aid. Yeah, it's like two Twizzlers put on like a paper mache mask. Maybe he was having a picnic. He had, a, he had a Capri Sun <laughs> some fruit roll-ups. What did he do? Bite through the Capri Sun pouch instead of using the straw? He probably did. Vampired it. <laughs> yeah, probably so. Nobody ever taught him how to use a straw. Well, it's easy to stab it all the way through. That's what she said. Oh, it is. She's very proud of it. So this is Data's character exposition scene where they kind of explain, like, yes, he's an anti-Vulcan. <laughs> Now, the thing is, yeah, Riker, Data even asked him, hey, does it bother you that I'm an android? And Riker goes, yeah, kind of does. Then Data's like, yeah, well, because you're a prejudiced prick. Yeah, he he got Riker's number real quick. And then he calls him Pinocchio, which isn't even really a very apt metaphor. I mean, he's he's, he's, a real boy. He's more the uh, the Tin Woodsman. Does he give him the oil can later? Oh, just just you wait. That's Almost makes your job. <laughs> Next episode. So you know, then uh, Data starts expositing the holodeck, and it's like, oh look, the fourth wall. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
the the uh, digitized effect's pretty cool though. Mm-hmm. I think they only used that one other time in the show. Well, because the binars upgraded the holodeck not too long after this, so yeah. But God the next it, time I hate they... it when you're right. But the next time they use it in the show is season six. That's because they were using old software. Oh, damn it, Barkley! That particular program was never upgraded. But it was a Sherlock Holmes program. Wesley... They they made that later. Like how Wesley falls into like you know six inch deep water and Data runs to go save him, and then gives him this murderous smile as he lifts him up. What is up with that? <laughs> well, I mean, Data D- Data's number one thought at any given moment is I could kill everyone in the ship and no one could stop me. No one knows I'm really lower. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't told them where my off switch is yet. <laughs> Leslie's just impressed because usually when he's hoisted up this high, it's by his underwear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I th- you know, depth of water aside, Data does kind of overreact because, like, the holodeck shouldn't be able to allow anybody to drown. No, no, come on. Like, if it, has, know, but- if it has to, it'll just, like, make a bubble of air around him so he can breathe. Yeah, I mean, just make the water where it's just breathable. I mean, it's a holodeck, whatever. Uh, but you forget, Data, when he goes to the park, he turns the safeties off. Oh. Ooh. See, I think it'd be, it'd, be, it'd be funnier if, as an anti-drowning measure, if somebody, you know, starts to fall into that lake, the water just, like, parts around them. And instead of falling <laughs> softly into the water, they just slam face first down to the floor of the holodeck. <laughs> <laughs> And then Picard's just hanging out in front of the holodeck just in case he catches a glimpse of something as the doors open. <laughs> oh, the little boy is wet. Okay, goodbye. Uh, more heartwarming interactions between Crusher and Wesley. Between Crusher and Crusher? Yeah. The Crusher and the Crushy, I don't know. Yeah so, yeah, so now it's time for antics. Yeah, so stuff like this is where the pacing problems really start to kind of crop up. Things are just happening for no reason. It's just going from scene to scene. Yeah, and there's not, like, linking sequences either. Um, now we're here! Yeah, because... Yeah, like, Wesley was literally wet in the last <laughs> scene. So you have to assume that some amount of time has passed where he could go and find, like, a bathroom with a hand dryer to stand under for a while. But <laughs> not too strong though, he'd blow away. He's like eighty pounds. Yeah, there's no indication like of how much time has passed or what's been going on otherwise. So you just have to assume, okay, literally nothing's going on and we're just wasting time right now. It's it's bad it's bad episode structure. We're watching well, Farpoint, yes, it's a waste of time. Yeah. Well, they had to establish why Wesley went to the bridge in the first place. <sighs> but and they didn't Wesley had to go to the bridge in the first place because oh. <laughs> So, okay, now, Tasha, she's just, like, in this underground place just all of a sudden? Was there any exposition of, like, why she's down no, there? Yeah, yeah, you skipped a scene there. So the <laughs> weight team lands at the mall. <laughs> Riker and Data split off. And then uh, Jordy gives, like, the coolest-looking point I've ever seen to direct Tasha and Deanna to where to go. He, like, sort of leans one shoulder back and points to the other one. Okay, I'm backing this up. I'm going to watch that. I need to make that like an animated avatar or something. Yeah, it's it's a stylish as fuck point. And completely unnecessary for acting point purposes. Mm-hmm. It's just LeVar Burton being awesome. Cal- yeah, Bam! Like Cal- oh, you're beginning. right. At the beginning of the scene, though, Troy's like, well, I'll go with you, Riker. And Riker's like, uh, no, that's all right. You go with uh, Tasha and Jordy. Uh, I'll go with the robot. <laughs> <laughs> 
the one who won't hurt my feelings. <laughs> Boy, yeah, Jordy put some stank on that point. It does. Ugh. I want to get Ow. that. Ow. <laughs> also, Riker says, Jordy, I want your eyes down there, which just seems insensitive. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? <sighs> I see what you did there. Well, yeah, it's just those kind of comments over and over again. And it is over and over again because they just keep saying things like that throughout the first season. Right up to the point where they invent a device specifically so they can beam back Jordy's sight to the ship so everybody can just gawk. Because it's been such high demand. they just are, People are dying to know so they can contrive a reason to do it. <laughs> <laughs> they put it on the shipwide pay-per-view. No, no it's a Jordy, a Jordy becomes a, a live streamer. <laughs> oh, that's even worse. <laughs> he deserves death. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. <laughs> but don't take my word for it. <laughs> oh, that hurts so good. <laughs> I'm sorry, where hey, are we? Hey, it's your boy. <laughs> hey, everybody, it's your boy, Jordy. Back once again for a new episode of Blip and Blip. Can you kick Scott from the call for that? Well, I mocked it. Yes, Actually, yes, no, I can. I'll never get this back working again. Too late. <laughs> oh, that's weird. It kicked me from the call for some reason. What happened? <laughs> Must be a glitch. Oh, well, moving on. <sighs> okay, so they're exploring the, the empty catacombs beneath Farpoint. Which should be full of skulls, but aren't. So Riker's asking, Jordy, are you sure you're looking at this thing well enough? <laughs> well, use your good eyes. <laughs> I told you I don't look so good. Look, Jordy, with your special eyes. Every way. Microscopically, thermally, electromagnetically, erotically. <laughs> Skeptically. Punctually. Well, Troy, what about you? Are you feeling anything with your emotional bullshit? Oh, I wasn't no, trying, I'm trying not to. <laughs> I didn't want to. The pain, the pain. <laughs> oh, she turns into Dr. Smith. The pain. <laughs> Well, there's some Wesley down there with her then. <laughs> well, no, he's too busy being on the bridge annoying Picard, which is awesome. Well, I mean, it's not quite as straightforward as that. I, I guess we're skipping over to that now. Yeah, because that scene sort of goes nowhere of them just like, yeah, we're underground and Troy's whining. Yeah, and that yeah. goes on for that goes on for quite a while, to be honest. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Beverly comes up to the bridge for no reason that's ever specified. She just, you know, takes a trip uh, up to the bridge. It's specified later is she was doing her official check-in with the captain, but rather than just, like, radioing it in, she wanted to do it in person. Also, she well, waited, also, like, 18 hours after going on the ship. Well, they've been busy. But also Have do they, the, though? Uh, my son isn't on the bridge. Look, he's, his toe is over the line. He's not on the bridge, technically. Yeah, it's like in bowling. If you don't cross over that line, it's not a foul. Right, exactly. Yeah, I, I feel like Crusher comes up to the bridge just to be like a, a shady bitch to Picard. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I was getting. awesome in it. <laughs> just wanted to come up and mention how much I miss my husband. <laughs> <laughs> this is my son. Remember his dad? Yeah, he looks just like him, doesn't he? Except he's alive. <laughs> <sighs> the last time you saw him was, oh, right after my husband died. Yeah, what a quinky dink. <laughs> and then Picard's uh, all kinds of awkward here. The only thing you can think to say to Wesley is, oh, I knew your father before he died. 
And Wesley's just, <laughs> Wesley's just walking around looking at the chairs going, there's no armrests. What the fuck? <laughs> well, but then he goes over to the captain's chair and that has armrests because he's the captain. Yes, uh, the season one captain's chair complete with wood paneling. Yeah, and the flip and the panels. flip up things. I always thought the uh, the later version of the captain's chair was much more boring looking by comparison. Yeah, they they just but traded much, they traded the pop up panels for the weird blue lights that point out to the front. Well, it's one thing I, I actually there's something that is missing from TNG was the captain's chair in TOS was like this iconic thing. Mm-hmm. You know, they kind of got away from that in TNG. I think because Picard mainly did most of his good stuff standing. That's true. Urinating. Pooping. Sleeping. <laughs> Sleeping in the corner in his <laughs> office, yeah. <laughs> God damn it. He falls asleep with his eyes open looking at his fish. <laughs> it's very soothing. Oh boy! So now, now as, Wesley, I have a... as Wesley walks into the bridge, we get this handheld shaky cam bouncing all around as everyone's staring at him. Doesn't the director like... know to tell them not to look directly at the camera? <laughs> so shiny, <clears throat> and they couldn't even get a sweater that fit Wesley. Yeah, well, well yeah. that's uh, kind of a running theme in Star Trek: finding clothes that fit Will Wheaton correctly. So then a UFO from Lost in Space appears? Well, first Picard lets Wesley sit in the captain's chair just because, like, he has literally no other idea how to interact with this child. And he tries to explain the control panels on the armrests, and Wesley already knows all this because, you know, he's uh, spent 30 years watching Star Trek episodes. Um, Friends, then nothing better to do. Yeah, uh, yeah. On that's... a Monday night, we can be spending time with his family. Uh, yeah. Anyway, go on. Oh. <laughs> uh... But yeah, so I used to uh... get captain's chairs with my dad all the time. <laughs> <laughs> the ones I'm used to sitting have blood stains in them. <laughs> yeah, I know that Picard is still trying to be nice and explain things. Like, here is the tour. And Whistly knows everything, and Picard gets pissed off about it. <laughs> And then, you know, the panel starts beeping and Wesley's like, oh, uh, perimeter alert, security problem here. Something's coming in. How the hell do you know that, boy? (laughs) Well, because I know how to read? Get the fuck off my bridge. Both of you. you. (laughs) Yeah, and Crusher, I mean, she like jumps backwards into the turbo lift. That's like, whoa. Overstay my welcome, bye. Well, she's probably afraid Picard's going to kill her next. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, hello, uh, Con. Can you uh, make a transfer accident happen? Slow <laughs> the doctor and to the torpedo bay. <laughs> yeah, that's actually how. Technically assigned Picard to every away team from now on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, the Lost in Space UFO shows up, and Grappler Zorn seems uh, nonplussed by this. I don't fucking know. Yeah, boy, Picard, like, raise shield, charge up the weapons. Let's blow this shit. And Worf's like, uh, it's 12 times our size. Let's not fuck with it. <laughs> well, it's not very Klingon. Yeah, Klingon's like, let's poke it in the booty hole, see what happens. <laughs> it must be because Klingon's he's sitting like, down. Let's cloak and hide and attack it in secret. Yeah, because that's honorable. Well, in war, there's nothing more honorable than victory. 
Klingons are some bullshit. Just like Vulcans. Yeah. They're not an honorable race like the Ferengi, where you always know what you're getting. <laughs> or Romulans, because they're the best. Romulans fucking suck. I love Romulans. They're my favorite. It'd be nice if the Ugh. Romulans uh, realized that color exists. No, it distracts from their Hate? intelligence gathering. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> I was going to point out that Romulans gave us the shittiest Star Trek movie in the prime continuity. What movie was that? Nemesis? I, Never heard I'm of sorry, it. Sorry, I'm not familiar with what you're referring to. You know, before Picard's before clone. Before Picard's before clone. One. I don't recall Picard having a clone called B4. There's Picard's dune buggy. I have vague memories of that, but that's a no, joke you no, made like, think, you know, about 45 minutes ago. No, I think um, I think you're confusing that with the photo I posted once upon a time of Mega Constructs Picard in the Halo Jeep thing. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the Chupa thingy. Or maybe that time I had uh, Data and Picard in the little motorcycle with the sidecar. Extreme Mega, velocities. Mega Construct Star Trek stuff was the best. It is. Too bad it's impossible to buy Mega Constructs anymore. Yeah. Well, I would be listening to you guys. I'm too busy watching a bunch of people stand around in the dark and talking in one direction. <laughs> uh, well, I think hey, everybody, just, I, let's stand in the dark all in this direction. I think you just described the podcast. Okay, so. <laughs> All right, so basically the UFO just starts opening fire on the shithole shantytown. And, you know... So, yeah, they get scanned. Who cares? Yeah, so the the ship opens fire on the planet, and Picard's, uh, you know, very quick to act and, uh, you know, going to their defense until someone points out, oh, no, they're just firing on the indigenous city. Uh, it's, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Then everybody just kind of is like, oh, whatever. Let's just watch and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> On the base that we're interested in, it's fine. Uh-huh. Of course, there's some, some poor people. Well, no, there's some kid who's like, my models! <laughs> my diorama for school! No! Don't worry, they're just firing on Space Hong Kong. I thought it was Space Dubai. Whatever. Yeah, make up your goddamn mind. <laughs> no, Space Dubai is Farpoint. Well, I don't think Hong okay, Kong so is the outlying district of Dubai. So their communicators don't work underground, but they're going to transport out? Well, their communicators yeah, well, are being blocked. They don't have uh, cell service, but they've got Wi-Fi. Oh, okay. That makes sense. I, no, you're not going to make me believe that that uh, shitty shantytown has Wi-Fi or cell service. No, no, but they're under Farpoint, though, so... Oh, I bet the, I bet the <laughs> white pipe is so cute. <laughs> so I love that uh, Troy emotionally reacts. What if you get hurt, Riker? I love you. <clears throat> and Riker's like, no, woman, obey my orders. Do your job. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Oh, thank God this show got better. But not quickly. Although, truthfully, there's a lot of parts of this episode that do work, and you can sort of see where that is going to evolve to. Yes, and if you took all of those and cut out all the rest of it, you'd have, like, a 40-minute long episode. Yes. The other half, though, is delightfully terrible. You you can totally take Encounter at Farpoint and make it the length of one normal episode. It did not need to be a feature-length opening, and it kind of shows in how much time they waste and meander around and just generally don't have a clue what they're doing. 
Well, so much of the pointless shit was just exposition to set up characters or what the ship can do or how the rules work. All of which it, I think is stuff they could have introduced more gradually in successive episodes. Like, I don't think they need to front load so many concepts all at well, once. Nowadays, I would agree with you on that, but would that have flown back then than the 80s, though? People liked their TV a lot more ham-fisted back then. True. I, I think there was still more of a balance to be struck than what we got. Now, if they had gone in, Ugh, into this... And then Q shows back up. If they had produced this episode with the idea that, okay, we're going to make Encounter at Firepoint, and we may not ever get to make another episode of this show, then yeah, sure, let's, you know, let's drop all the concepts on here just in case. But, you know, if you know you're going to get at least 13 episodes, you can you can have space it out a little bit. Encounter at Firepoint... After Encounter at Farpoint, they shouldn't have been allowed to make any more episodes. Well, the, the, so the story goes <laughs> that know, uh, Patrick doubt, Stewart... Let's just blame Gene. The story goes that Patrick Stewart didn't actually ever unpack his suitcase for the first, like, three or four months of filming the show, because he didn't think it would last. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I believe it. <laughs> Alright, so... Down <laughs> on the surface, the shithole's getting bombarded, and Riker and Data get blasted a little bit and data's laying down the most robotic pose ever and gets up incredibly stiff that, I, that happens to, to me sometimes it's it's very off-putting in a way that i think was intentional yeah well yeah they were playing up his whole androidness sure right but rather than being comical it just comes across as being like Ugh. <laughs> uncanny valley I think, I mean, yeah, sometimes he's supposed to be comical, but I think the Uncanny Valley thing is on purpose at points. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, that part, it, it, it's just, it's, I don't know, it bothers me. Well, it's supposed to, so, you know, suck it up. That's what your mom does. <laughs> Boy, it was crazy how, like, in good shape everyone was in the 80s, though. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't think uh, girdle technology was that sophisticated then. Girdle technology peaked when they introduced Seven of Nine. But they realized <laughs> oh, yeah. they had that gone one... farther than science was supposed to go. Yeah, they went right to corset. Yeah, I was going to say, that, that was a corset, not a girdle. And only pervs would know the difference. High five. <laughs> what? Don't leave me hanging. Come on. So, Q there set back up? There we go. So Q showed up again? Yeah, yes. Q showed up again and just basically went, yeah, what are you going to do, attack the thing? And Carter's like, no, dick. We're just protecting ourselves. And she's like, no, you're not. And he's like, yeah, we are. And then, yeah. You know, a civilized so, people would go and send help to those poor people being blasted back into the, well, I guess not back into, but into the Mud Age again. Yeah, further into Smash the Mud Age. Beverly already getting ready to go do that without being told. <laughs> Yeah, I gotta say, Q is not particularly compelling in all this. No, he's not even really, like, an effective, uh, you know, chaotic instigator. Well, he's supposed to be judging. It's like, oh, you're this way. And it's like, well, no, they're clearly not because they're not doing certain things. It's like, what you're accusing them of doing, they're not doing anymore. This, I think at this, this point, Q is, like, more intrigued with them, and he's trying to push them into acting like the way he wants them to like he he's 
very much trying to lead them into the discovery that about what's going on with Farpoint. Which is a recurring theme for Q. Like that's yeah. that's one yeah. that's one part of what Q is that they kind of maintained further along through the series, and that was like his whole point of being in all good things. Was he intended to be that way in this episode, or was he just trying to goad them into being dicks? Because he's evil. And he thinks they're evil, too. Right. I mean, but was he intended to be guiding them in this episode, or was he intended to be just an evil force? Well, I think he's supposed to be that, the, uh, oh god, what you said at the very beginning, you know, the Trelane kind of thing. Right. I mean, what I'm saying is that, did they originally intend for him to just be an antagonist or to be sort of like a, a secret force to push them to be better? Did, oh, that's a good question. Did they idea later? Well, if it's Gene, if he had anything to do with this, he probably wanted it to be something more positive later on. Yeah, I mean, it's maybe not expressed very well in the episode, but I could certainly see the writing intent of this being, like, during the trial part, what Picard says piques Q's interest, and from there on, Q is like, okay, let's see what they can actually do if they have a little bit of a chance. Like, let's see if he's full of shit or not. And then Q is just like, yeah, I'll push him a little bit. Prod him uh, along. Plus, I probably learned how awesome John... From the very moment he shows up, he's like, yeah, you guys suck. Prove me wrong. <laughs> right, right. I think they also learned that John Delancey is just awesome and they just let him act more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they just kind of let him be John Delancey some more. Yeah, just let him, yeah, just Delancey it up a little and then everything worked out. All right, so the, the other alien ship kidnapped Grappler's Orn and Troy got, gets her O face on. I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> I'm feeling something very nice. <laughs> Zorn's inside me. And I feel a, a righteous vengeance. Doesn't make any sense, though. I don't understand why, but I feel really horny for murder. <laughs> yeah, I think mommy needs more of this. <laughs> I'll be in the holodeck. <laughs> Rucker, care to join me? <laughs> Safety protocols will be off. It's okay, I'm going to hang out with Data. You you go with Jordy and... and <laughs> it's like a Scooby-Doo episode, you know? Like, all right. Shaggy, Velma, and uh, Scooby, go that way. I'm with Daphne. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they beam over to the UFO, and surprise, it's the same hallway as the underneath Farpoint Station. Well, what could it possibly mean? Well, dun, it's dun, almost dun. it's almost like they ran out of set budget. Boy, Troy looks like she is just fighting back some serious diarrhea. <laughs> she ate from the craft services table that day. Yeah, that's now first. Yeah, no one gives a shit on the first on the pilot. Well, it sounds like she's trying not to give a shit. <laughs> she looks like she's straining by the yard. <laughs> Well, if she does, man, with that miniskirt, it's just going to go all over the floor. Oh, yeah, that flap is going to fly up in the air. There won't be nothing to shake out the leg. Unlike the men who have to wear, like, they have to rub it like a tube of toothpaste. Well, the men pants, they've got the spandex strap that's at the boot. So, like, the turds will just collect down there at the, the pants leg. <laughs> that's why they wear those the, tall boots. Literally, call them a shit heel. <laughs> Oh my god, is that one set that just keep walking through the same scene over and over again? Stop it. And they don't even change the camera angles. 
Ugh. They just like reset no. them to from one side to the other. Yes. I like when they cut back to Picard in the bridge. Manning security is like instant Tom Petty. <laughs> what? Also, Let me see. Well, okay, so there's that, and also like, do you notice the bridge just gets progressively more and more empty? Yeah. <laughs> People are sneaking out. They're like, okay, I'm out. <laughs> Like, somehow they don't apparently have enough extras to account for, like, replacement personnel. Well, none of the camera guys could fit into the spandex uniforms. It's lunchtime. (laughs) (laughs) They're on break. (laughs) Yeah, they're a union. You really can't say anything to them. App services, table as Troy did. (laughs) (laughs) They're all in the portalettes on the studio lot. (laughs) Well, eventually they find Groppler Zorn by following the screams. As you do. Yeah, well. Holy crap, yeah, there's instant Tom Petty with the blonde, glong hair. What the hell is that guy doing? That can't be regulation. Yeah, well, uh, that's the security officer that won't back down. Running down a dream? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. When the Rhymeless show up, he'll tell them, don't come around here no more. Yeah. Well, this last time we see him, so this was his last dance with Mary Jane. Oh my god, wait, is that a woman? Oh, it's too quick, I can't even tell. I like how fake uh, Tom Petty is more interesting than Grumpler Zorn being tortured. <laughs> no, that that's that's a chick. And a new fetish. <laughs> yeah, I hope this doesn't awaken anything in me. <laughs> Well, it's good to see uh, Q in an actual uniform. And a very greasy haircut. Yeah, what's Mm -hmm. up with that? All right, so they try and free Grappler Zorn, but that pisses off the alien. I mean, the spaceship. Spaceship. Yeah, not an alien yet. Spaceship. Q shows up to taunt them and says, well, you better start firing. That thing's not getting any deader. (laughs) But does, it, does, does Q teleport everyone back over from the other ship? Well, see, that's, these, so that's what's going got on. All these too. torpedoes might as well do something with them. Yeah, and so like <laughs> Picard realizes that uh, some some shit's going down over there, and the away team's in trouble. But the transporters won't work anymore, and it may be Q's fault. It's hard to uh, say because they don't really make that clear. I'll do anything if you save them, Q. <laughs> anything. Starts licking the inside of his cheek. Oh. <laughs> So the away team quickly reappears, and Troy's like, oh, hold up. He didn't do that. But Q was all perfectly prepared to take advantage of that uh, happy, happy coincidence. Grappler's Zorn finally lets it slip that, uh, oh, we helped it. Oh, oh, there's another alien down there. So, in gratitude, the alien spaceship rotates and presents itself. (laughs) Oh, we know what that little starfish thing on the bottom is now. I like that this alien cruised all the way up to this planet on its head. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) whee! Well, you know, in space, there is no up or down. Then why did it change directions? Well, it was orienting itself to match the one that came up from the planet. I like how they just send a message to it, like it's going to understand, like, subspace communications. It's not a spaceship, it's a thing. 
don't you stick your head out the window and yell at it? They just blink the high beams on and off a few times. To say thank you. <laughs> no, because then it's going to get confused and think there's a cop nearby. <laughs> it's going to shift over in front of it. Thanks. Yeah. Oh shit! I gotta gotta slow down. <laughs> <laughs> so with the mystery solved and the the Farpoint alien and the spaceship going on their merry way. Well, first, Enterprise uh, needs to put some gas in the tank of the alien down Oh, I thought planet. we just glossed over that because, you know, we were kind of skipping past well, that Well, we point. can, but I just want to point out, you know, they, you know, they just totally, like, you know... Yeah, they, they plugged it into the phone charger. Said, yeah, Go on now. You're free. Yeah. Okay, so aren't there a bunch of people living on that station right now? No, they were evacuated. Oh, Theoretically. Okay, they, they, gave them, they gave them easily four minutes to evacuate that whole station. Okay, good. So as long as you were able-bodied and able to push other people around, you survived. Great. But, but Q did well, advocate for... Uh, Everyone's able-bodied except for Jordy. Q did advocate for uh, leaving all the inhabitants to die. Well, yeah, that's a shtick. Yeah. Also, they were the shitheads who put it there in the first place, so, you know, kind of had it coming? Maybe well, a little yeah, bit. As far as cosmic justice goes... Also, I like to point out the L-Cars things. The Lacan stations are so dim and crappy looking. I want to point out here that when you get this overhead shot of Farpoint Station and the, the shithole city, the shithole city is built along a river, and it sort of tapers away from the river the way a city actually would. Yeah, and that, yeah. That's far more care put to design of that <laughs> than really was reasonable. So it's like someone actually looked at, you know, an aerial photograph of a city that had developed over time and imitated yeah. that for their miniature model. Yeah. So with the the aliens off on their way to do go wherever, we never hear from them again. Q is just standing there left regretting that he didn't give them a more difficult puzzle to fail. Well, I mean, that's what's funny to me is like, this is what Starfleet does. They go to strange new worlds and new life forms and all this kind of crap. This is kind of what they do. I mean, you're like testing people on what they're good at. So, and we get to see some alien tentacle sex, though. That's kind of cool. See, I think Q's motivation here actually was that he was pushing them along toward the answer, but only just far enough because he wanted them to almost get to the answer, but then still ultimately fail. And that's where he would have got his satisfaction from. So Q's basically just sitting there like blue balled right now. The pink one's the girl. The blue one's the boy. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to point out that these things show up again in Star Trek Online. Of course they do. Yeah, they do. There's and a little... Le there's less tentacle sex, though. Yeah. And they also show up in the, the Star Trek Titan books. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. The Borg have ever assimilated one. <laughs> oh, that'd be rad as fuck. <laughs> Can you imagine I... those tentacles being like tubules they use to like, you know, they could like uh, uh, borgify whole cities. Hmm. Well, I mean, I the the Borg's early gimmick was like scooping up cities and stuff. Ocean that ascended. They just like turned into one giant one? And flew away. Like dolphins. So do they have anything to do with the whale probe or are they like mortal enemies? Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. What if there's like a, a giant ocean planet? 
That's stupid. Shut up. Like one you can fly a whole starship into. No, no, that can't happen. Well, like maybe not a, a big whole... ball of water in space. That's stupid. Maybe not like a whole starship, but maybe like just a little, you know, stupid one. Just the tip. You need a really great pilot to do that, though. <laughs> the best in Starfleet. <laughs> and probably also a nurse. <laughs> Wait, I mean, also a nurse or the pilot's also a nurse? Yes. <laughs> this sounds terrible. What the fuck are you talking about? Hmm. Oh, so now we finally get the full bridge crew, like, standing in their positions, sitting in their chairs, and it zooms in on Picard's massive beak. Also, Tasha is wearing a skin. Oh, yeah. I missed Take it. Take a shot. <laughs> Miss it. You know, I, I can do without seeing that, quite frankly, but... Yeah, I love that the whole reason they were able to justify the scants is because they put men in them, too, saying, well, if people want to wear them, they can. You know, all kinds of people will choose to wear them. <laughs> They're available. I mean, we can't stop people. It's not sexist if men choose to wear them, too. <laughs> it's just optional. <laughs> yeah. You're like not required to be lighter. sexy on the clock, but you can be. <laughs> like the underwear you wear underneath them, optional. Well, I am just... You know, normally after watching Star Trek, I'm like, ah, oh, that was good. What a great story. And I just feel better about life. I feel empty. I feel hollow. Yeah, you know, it's um, it's kind of not a good episode. We didn't even, like, there is a, a whole scene we didn't even mention, which happens in... Yeah, you're welcome, everybody. <laughs> it happens in the middle of uh, Q's 11-hour deadline or whatever, where Picard just takes a trip down to Crusher's office to... Like I guess, oh yeah, we did skip. Sort that. of apologize for uh, you know biting her head off and trying to kill her son, um, and then also and saying killing uh, her husband, and then also saying like, <laughs> you know, if you want to leave the ship, I'll let you. I mean, there's the airlock right there. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of other it. commands out there. A <laughs> lot of other people who didn't kill your husband. You know, I hear that Starfleet Medical is looking for a new director. <laughs> Starfleet Dental. That was a scene they also completely excised from the syndication cut. And again, good. Yeah, thankfully so. Although I recall that Beverly is somewhat shady to him in that scene as well. Yeah, yeah. Everybody in this episode is just a little bit weird. Now, all of this said, I have vague memories of, you know, seeing this stuff when it very first came out and it blew our fucking minds. It was so awesome to see Star Trek. The special effects were amazing. We've got a new ship and a new crew and it's Star Trek. I, I remember I remember the time everyone, at least that I knew, me being at, 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 uh, about 10 years old. Uh, yeah, uh, Counterboy, we were 9 and 10 years old, so we didn't know <laughs> shit about what was good. Yeah, well, no, know, that's all true. So I still don't. the good seasons that followed this yet. Yes. Yeah, but see, like, even if you felt that way watching Encounter at Farpoint, then you have to go to the following week where they just rehash an original series episode. Yeah. And then you go to the week after after that. Which is Planet Africa, yes. Oh, God. (laughs) But it was still a new Star Trek, and that was like a super cool thing back in that time. I mean, like, my parents really liked it, so. And I think the episode after Planet Africa was the introduction of the Ferengi, which, Wow. Yeah, it's, uh, they really, redeemed themselves yeah, in that, that for a, a while, That was though. a bit of a misfire. It's really a wonder this got more than one season. Pick Were there up. any good episodes in season one? 
like actually good or yeah like actually like we should keep making this good uh so there's uh the one toward the end of the first season with the weird like time loop stuff okay yeah picard's old girlfriend Um, what about data lore i mean it's a little cliche on like data lore's first season yeah yep Wow, I didn't realize that. And then huh. you don't see Laura again until season four, I think. Yeah. Well, we also have Skin of Evil and Conspiracy. I mean... Yeah. And the Neutral Zone, which was the last episode of the first season, I think. Um, like, yeah, that's where we name-checked the Atlanta Braves. It was an interesting concept episode. Like, you know, it it was a product of its time in a lot I of ways. Conspiracy... I thought Conspiracy was the end of the first episode. Nope. Season. There was one more. Well, they, they rescued the three huh. yokels from the 20th century. And they reintroduced the Romulans because nobody was taking the Ferengi seriously. Like, the whole idea with the first season of Next Generation was, we're going to introduce these new alien races to be the antagonists, and we're not going to rehash, uh, you know, maybe but for, like, you know, Worf being there to represent Klingons, we're not going to have all the races from the original series come in and cause problems. But no... It just it didn't really work out that way. Kind of like with Voyager, where they introduced a new threat with the Kazon. <sighs> Kazon. Then we got so what's your, what's your species power? Weird hair. <laughs> we grow coral on our heads. So stupid. Oh, that's one thing I've learned from watching Voyager is like, hey, so the Alpha and Beta Quadrant, the, the governing physical traits there is funny noses and funny ears. And the, the Delta, Delta Quadrant is funny hair. Random shit in their hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but yeah, that was Encounter at Farpoint. We did it! Which certainly was Hooray! an encounter at a place called Farpoint. Boy. I mean, I, a, a lot happened, though. I mean, there was, there was a long voyage between the start and the end of that. That was a journey. Yeah. A yeah. trek. If you will. A wagon train to the stars. Yeah. Uh, all right. So the other question is: uh, Are we still doing this? Is this a thing now? No. What are we doing next week? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Just a sad wah wah. Mariposa, the Spanish word for butterfly. Thank you, Data. I thought it might be significant, sir. It doesn't appear to be Data. No, sir. <laughs>